Hi, my name is Scott Kerland, and my best friend Lils Martin hates musicals. I'm Lils Martin, and my friend and acquaintance Scott Kerland loves musicals. Wait, what? But I don't like I don't like begrudging for it or anything. Wait, I don't know. I said you were my best friend, and you just called me a friend and acquaintance. Yeah. I was working really, really hard on creating this podcast for you where I show you great movie musicals and bad movie musicals because I love you, but you want to be a dick. We were supposed to record this promo for Hell is a Musical, and what are we doing right now? Sounds like we're recording the promo right now. Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network. Be there. It's the amazing Bagel Boy and his Bagel friends while they go to Hollywood to make a major... And now, now, it's just Ryder's Bagel Basket and we're doing Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Spidey goes to Hollywood. So you know what that means. It's in the basket. The Ryder's Bagel Basket. His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Tear me apart, Lisa! Snap out of it! You owe me 15 grand, pal. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kerland, and we have a great show today. Uh, we have a very special first-time guest. You know him from uh, Jordan Jesse Go. You know him from everything he has written on Netflix, to Sony, uh, to Good Mythical Morning, and his new project is a graphic novel called Bubble. I have Jordan Morris. Hi, it's good to be here. Oh, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to. Any any excuse to talk about not only Spider-Man, but also his amazing friends. I, I So, full confession, I totally thought this show came out in the 60s, because grow, growing up on the East Coast... They didn't really release this on UPN until like like the mid-90s, and they're like classic block, and they wedged this in between like Super Friends and uh, the original Bad Fantastic Four cartoon. And oh, the, right, right, right. So I'm like, oh, this show's from the 60s, and then I found out it was like 1982. <laughs> yeah, it just like, it just seems old you know and it's hard to kind of pinpoint how old it is uh yeah this is definitely something that i experienced in like reruns um yeah. so yeah it just has a general like old cartoon feel and uh it certainly like shares a lot of like tone stuff with the adam west batman so like i think totally. that the feeling that maybe this is from the 60s is uh i don't i don't think you're that far off i think it's because of frank welker honestly yeah, too. I know. That that also might be an issue. So uh, we have something called the TV Guide Rule, where what would the TV Guide uh, little paragraph to get you to watch this episode say? It can even be a sentence. Oh, sure. I mean, I think it would be uh, 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 Spidey and Friends uh, uh, 
leave the confines of New York to go to Tinseltown. Um, but it is 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 something sinister hiding behind the palm treed facade? Perfect. How was that? Perfect. That, no that notes. Was perfect. No <laughs> Let's notes. Just go with that. Let's not edit that at all. No, I I, I think. Oh man, uh, a few weeks ago we did. Um, uh, we did sneakers, and it was basically um, Robert Redford and his friends basically try to rip off Ben Kingsley or something like that. Sure. <laughs> and I'm I'll, like, I'm yeah. watching that. Yeah. So this entire episode basically has us believe that Spider-Man and his friends, who have this like nice penthouse apartment in New York, are so poor and Aunt, Aunt May basically had to pawn off her necklace that he has to go to Tinseltown to Hollywood to become an actor in a movie about his life. Right, yes. So it opens with, and the opening is really uh, is really cool for a lot of reasons. So the opening shows what you think is a you know normal Spider-Man adventure. There's somebody in a burning building. Spidey's kind of coming down to help. And then, you know, you see the like, that he's hanging by a rope and it malfunctions and he falls onto like a crash pad and it pulls out and it's a movie set. Very fun reveal. And I, I mean, tell me if you thought this, I know you also do a musicals podcast, Yeah, but it, 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 it totally turn off the dark. Yeah, so the premise is that they can't make this Spider-Man movie because the actors keep getting hurt, and they keep and the the director Sam Blockbuster. Some awesome names in this episode, by yeah. the way. Yeah, well, so with with Stan Blockbuster, I was like, so is there like an indie director named like Timmy Tribeca or Trisha right. Tribeca? Yeah, do we have, sure. <laughs> do we have like Sandy San- Sundance? Like. I know, yeah, exactly. It's so funny. It's so funny how like first thought this name is. It might yeah. as well be John Movie. Yeah, I would love like Morris Mumblecore. Oh yeah, sure. Every genre of movie has its own director with yeah. the, the same on the nose name. But like his name is Stan Blockbuster, but it seems like he hemorrhages money the way like Right. It's, uh, you know, I, <laughs> uh, surprise, surprise, this, uh, this does not seem to have a handle on how show business actually works. Sam Blockbuster seems to be funding this Spider-Man movie out of pocket. It seems to yeah, be Yeah, that's all not of- how you make movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like that. I mean, I think to a kid, though, and this is such a kid thing, and it is, and obviously from a time before superhero stuff had to appeal to, you know, everyone yeah. uh so it's very much for kids but i think it does it is a funny version of like a kid's understanding of how a movie gets made and like what a director does it's very much like if you asked a kid how to make a movie they might describe something kind of like this it, it literally reminds me of that episode of boy meets world where they do the the meta behind the scenes and you find out all the writers are like five-year-old kids that's really f- I haven't seen that episode. That's really funny. Yeah, that that's what this felt like. It's like, let's go to the writer's room of Spider-Man and friends. And they're like, what if Spider-Man did this? Yeah, and, uh, and the Hulk is there and he breaks some tanks and then there's robots and a shark and a monkey. Yeah, it is definitely like, just like <laughs> Excuse me, I nonsense. have to go to the bathroom. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, da- down the hall. <laughs> but I, okay, one thing that always drives me crazy is is how, and they do it in this, is how stupid superheroes are. They're like, oh, the Incredible Hulk was just, you know, here. This man is half naked and he's coming on the bus. Hey, want to be our friend? We have no idea who you are. You're totally not the Hulk. Boy, the them integrating the Hulk into the story is so hilariously awkward. It's hilariously awkward. So I think we see that, like, Mysterio, who is, like, hijacking the movie so he can humiliate Spider-Man, has a, like, robotic hulk that he plans on deploying i guess it's a oh it's a robot right we see it get kind of smashed later yeah um and so but i guess to like set up this hulk on hulk fight which i you know primitive animation aside is a very cool idea yeah um they for 1982 this must have been huge this must of course like- yeah yeah and it is so funny how this is like kind of a proto Avengers, you know, them kind of mashing up all the characters. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They also pick, the thing that I never understood with, with this as a kid growing up, I totally forgot that Iceman was from the X-Men and, and Firestar. I totally forgot about Firestar because I just remember Starfire from Teen Titans. and Yeah, I know. It's that Marvel DC thing to where there's two characters who are so similar. It's the yeah. Deadpool, Deathstroke, uh, Hawkeye, Green Arrow. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, it, <laughs> but once again, with, with, with Firestar, I, I forgot she had a dog. And I totally forgot that June Foray not only plays Aunt May, but she's also the voice of the dog. That's so funny. I know. And and I'm like, wait, you have Frank Welker. Why are you making poor June Foray, who is probably at this point in the 80s, she, she, she literally died like three years ago at the age of 100. So she was probably 72 when she did this. Right. It's so fun to hear all those like classic cartoon voices coming out of everybody. It's like, oh, yeah, these are totally just like the voices of our childhood when these, you know... 10 people did every single voice on Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, the history of this cartoon show, apparently they could get Hans Conried, the voice of Captain Hook, to be any of the villains. So like, they're like, want to play every single villain? And he's like, okay, as long as the check clears. So we have Hans Conried as Mysterio this week where he was Green Goblin the week before. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah, I'm sure this was all just, uh, you know, I'm sure they record a whole season of this thing in one cocaine-fueled day. Um, well, and then everybody goes and uh, gets drunk at Musso and Frank's. <laughs> it, that's the other thing that I wanted to see. I was like, oh, Spidey goes to Hollywood. He's probably going to, you know, alienate his friends and then go down a dark path and he starts hanging out at the Viper Room. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, ODs uh, next to River Phoenix, sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, this isn't real, real Hollywood. Where's Robert Evans? Where's like? <laughs> I know that would be so funny if it was like Spider Man, like kind of dark and sinister in that way. But yeah, it's a very like cartoony, like kids version of Hollywood. Um, yeah, in a really fun way, and they like, and yeah, like you said. They, uh, the, the director, Sam Blockbuster, is so cheap, he makes them take the bus from New York to Hollywood. Which they uh, said they need to be there the next day. It would take them three days to, to get there. Yeah, the timeline of this is pretty messed up. And they seem to shoot the whole movie in a day, too. Um, 
which is yeah just as a, someone who has worked on movie sets that's not how it works we're lucky if no. we get at least three frames in i know right and it's so funny that they in the day that they're shooting the movie they go from a jungle set to a ocean set to a space set it's like what's the plot of this movie like uh, uh although i guess you know like if you you know saw well, but- end game in little fragments you would be like this movie has a lot of stuff in it so maybe it's just this is just their end game that they're making well the thing that blew my mind is we were talking about spider-man turn off the dark and how they they said they went through so many spider-men i couldn't believe how like the sets in this movie reminded me of like every superhero movie uh, sorry, folks, you couldn't see me do the quote marks. Every superhero movie from 1984 until like 1996, like from Billy Zane Phantom to Alec Baldwin, The Shadow, like it had that big like revolving door set where it's like, oh, right. now we're in the jungle. Now we're here in a burning building. And the most fascinating thing about all of this is that Spider-Man of his super friends are his amazing friends is the weakest one, and he's freaking Spider-Man. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I know his amazing friends are, are, are so powerful, and yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that they kind of like are there to back up Spider-Man. The, the only thing that really uh, kind of bummed me out about this episode is that there was no J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> like, oh, I know, huge bummer. Yeah, it's funny, I feel like I saw him. So this is on Disney+. Plus. They just kind of right. like dumped all this old Marvel stuff on Disney+, Plus, which is kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I'm so I saw glad J- you picked this, because yeah. literally last week they announced that they were pulling Spider-Man the Animated Series, and that was oh, one no. of the... Yeah, so that's gone now. So I'm like, oh, if we got to do this, thank thank God he picked this. Because <laughs> right. I was like, no. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, no, I know. And yeah, I saw J. Jonah Jameson in a couple of the thumbnails, so I definitely might go back and uh, and watch a couple of J. Jonah episodes because he's the greatest character in the uh, Marvel Universe. I think we can all agree. Yes, we can, especially when he's either played by Ed Asner in the cartoons or he's played by um, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of a lot of titans have portrayed J. Joe and Jameson over the years. I so. Last year, literally two weeks before COVID, uh, my wife and I and my brother-in-law went to Universal Studios and we went to the Amazing Spider-Man ride. I've heard that ride is great. I'm very excited to ride that ride at some point in my life. It's my favorite ride. And the crazy thing they did is they didn't get Ed Asner to reprise his role. They got the original voice of J. Jonah Jameson from this to do the voice. Really? That's really cool. That's a really cool little Easter egg. Yeah, like right before he died. Um, Wow. So, and they still have it to this day. So from 2000 till now. That's very cool. It's amazing. And in this episode, getting back to no one figures out that Bruce Banner is the Hulk, even when he turns into the Hulk, blew my mind. It is such a weird it is such a weird afterthought Bruce Banner being there because how it happens I guess is that like so they're taking this bus from New York to LA in a day and it has to stop because the Hulk is like fighting just a random military assortment and the tanks shoot gas cuz I'm sure that 
this was around the time they probably didn't want any like guns and kids TV. Yeah, um, probably a good thing now that uh, uh, now that we look back on it. Um, yes. and yeah, so the Hulk like smashes all these tanks and then turns back into Bruce Banner. And then he has a couple of dollars and he gets on this bus and just the, the bus is like, we're going to L.A. And he says, sure. And then sits in back with the other superheroes. It is so weird and like contrived. I could talk about that bus driver the rest of this episode. Like, yeah. where is his morals? He's like, oh, this this half naked man just handed me like sweaty dollar bills. And I'm like, OK, right. get in the back. I know. After yeah, I know. A sweaty a sweaty uh half nude man in like ripped clothes is getting on the bus after we just saw a like <laughs> military convoy be decimated. No one's uh uh no one seems to be traumatized by that. Um <laughs> yeah, just a strange a strange little bit of writing gymnastics that they do to get the Hulk on there. It is, uh, it, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's like, so it's so like hilarious. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for like someone to come up to him and put a blanket on him and hand him cocoa and be like, are you okay? Did the Hulk hit you? Are you okay? Like, yeah, I know. It seems like they could, that they could have gone that route. Go like, Oh, this guy got attacked. We need to, pick him up and take him to, you know, I, there's just like a million more ways you could have done it. And and the fact that like Spider-Man and, and a uh, fire star and Iceman are like, do you want, do you want to join our, our crew? Like you can, you can be one of us and you know, no questions asked. You don't have, uh, you don't have any superpowers like we do wink. And yeah, it seems like it would have made sense and maybe there's, other story stuff about this series that I don't know, but like it would have made sense if they just would have recognized him, right? Like, Oh, it's Bruce Banner. Come with us and we'll help you. Yeah. And he's fall. And then they give him a job as a janitor. Yeah. (laughs) That, that blew my mind. Sam physicist, a gamma ray expert. Dr. Bruce Banner is, is basically belittled to doing like PA work on this movie where he was once working with radiation and trying to replicate the super soldier serum, but here he is getting donuts and coffee for right. Stan Blockbuster or Sam Blockbuster. <laughs> I know. And it's also funny the idea that the director <laughs> on a movie also hires the janitors. <laughs> I I would honestly, this version, I think they should go back and they should just replace the voice of Bruce Banner in this episode with H. John Benjamin and just because like him looking around he's like hey where did he go <laughs> like or Patrick right. Warburton someone with that type of voice just to be like uh I know they're right? gone. It would, that would be just a fun exercise it's just like a, a, a revoicing of these old cartoons kind of like Space Ghost style with you know uh famous comedy people that we all love there are so Cut- like goofy and fun and the mouths don't really match anyways so i think it would be fun it, it would be exactly like did you watch a few years ago when Channon tatum and joseph gordon levitt did uh comrade detective where they took i did watch a few of those yeah yeah it would be exactly like that like someone needs to think of that like they're bringing back mystery science theater 3000 joel hodgson jonah get on that just replace everyone with yeah with all of these people <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that would be that would be such a fun little like Disney Plus series is like re-edits of all these goofy old cartoons. So 
what I don't understand is Mysterio, this is like the one time Mysterio is the most like his character in the comics because in, in the comics, Mysterio was pretty much a special effects guy. Right. And here he is a special effects guy who only makes robots? Yeah, it's Mysterio's power set is a little nebulous here. He makes a lot of robots, but he also seems to have those kind of like projection powers and also gas powers. Uh, yeah, very, very nebulous power set on Mysterio. But yeah, in this, in this particular episode, the threat coming from him seems to be he's built a bunch of robots. And the people that he has replicate, okay, the names of these people, I, maybe it's just me, but I totally, with their names, I thought they were porn stars and not actors. Uh, okay, yeah, let's definitely, I'm glad we got to this. The, uh, so, <laughs> so Starfire, or Firestar, excuse me, and Iceman <laughs> agree to go on the, on the trip to Hollywood because they want to meet their two, like, celebrity crushes uh, whose names are Honey Dove. Oh, uh, honey, honey Dove. Honey, I had, you know, I had the subtitles on, so I think it is Honey Dove and Lance Macho. Ugh, I mean, porn star hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. I know, very like, very like, you know, eighties eighties porn stars for sure. It was uh, uh, just hilarious. I I laughed so hard when those names came. <laughs> hey, up. Ice Man, want to make a movie? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you'll be the pizza guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just just great, and yeah, very funny to actually see they, they they build robot versions of them, and you see the actual versions of them who are dressed just like the robots. So Mysterio got the clothes right. Um, <laughs> yeah, not not because cell animation is so expensive, and they just had to recycle it. I know. Yeah this this whole thing just reeks of like recycled characters and uh, yeah recycled animation. It's definitely uh, the low budgetness is is all over it. Uh, yeah, Stanley, famously famous famous cheapskate, Stanley. <laughs> The, so the, the most insane thing is that Haley and I have been rewatching Batman Beyond from beginning mm-hmm. to end, and like even though that's from like ninety seven, I think it was no ninety nine to two thousand one, it still holds up. Like the animation, even the oh, opening, yeah? still holds up. Watching this, I'm yeah. like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> like the the animation is really bad and. The writing is just so, like, I don't want to say it's talking down to kids, but it's talking down to kids. It's like, Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I think like, that the idea that, like, kids stuff, you know, should be high quality and should, like, transcend, you know, age range and hit multiple quadrants is, like, kind of a new cultural idea relatively. And yeah, definitely the cartoons of our youth like this um, <laughs> just kind of are like, all right, just shit something out for these little a-holes so they'll, you know, buy more toys. We got to sell Apple Jacks. They don't taste like Apple, but what do we care? We're kids. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> definitely. Uh, that does, that this, this does kind of reek of that kind of low effort for sure. Yeah, so I did the research for this time period, and this was around the time period of the McDonald's scandal, where okay. Maybe where McDonald's was doing like these it, these commercials where they pretty much ripped off H.R. Puffin stuff. Like they literally had uh, uh, Sid and Marty Croft create this land, and they're like, "Oh, we're not going to go with that." And then they basically 
did exactly that in the commercials. So, okay. so this was that time where they're like, we don't really care what's going on in the cartoon. Let's have these commercials that are more movies than the, the show you're watching. Right. And because, like, I guess at this time, the whole thing was, um, we need to get to Big Mac Palace, but oh no, it's the captain, because apparently now we have a captain and a hamburger. <laughs> like, right, yeah. So, so in, in this, like, documentary that I watched, they didn't really care about the cartoons that were going on the air. They cared more about what was going on in between the cartoons. Like, Interesting. The toy commercials, because this was also the time of Cabbage Patch Kids, right. and and not many people cared about Spider Man, so they're like, yeah, we just need something for kids to watch for half an hour while we sell these toys. Yeah, there's even a little joke about it almost when Bruce Banner gets on the bus. He says, "Oh, you guys are dressed like superheroes. What are you selling?" And Spider Man goes, "Comic books." Uh, I'm not sure why he asked them what they're selling. I don't know. It, it read to me as kind of a meta joke that like, man, we're just here to like, yeah, sell, literally sell because stuff. they couldn't say they couldn't say. Well, because you see, our Lord and Creator Stan Lee is almost in Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, and he really right. needs to sell comic because this was that time where like Marvel totally was hemorrhaging money. Yeah, this is maybe around the time. I don't know. I could be wrong about this. Maybe this is around the time that they made that really insane Japanese Spider-Man show where he has a yeah, uh, yeah, where he has a (laughs) robot that he rides around in. Yep, that is very fun to watch. Um, Yeah, uh, but yeah, just definitely is a like. All right, we need some money. Japan, you want to throw him in a robot? Great, go do it. Well, well, Jordan, I think I, I know what you just picked for next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, also, wasn't this the time where he was on the electric company for no reason, too? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that, that tracks. Definitely. Him and Morgan Freeman reading books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to go hang out with Frank Welker. I mean, Iceman. Of course. But the entire episode, like, Spider-Man is so weak. He He's... Easily crushed by an animatronic hand, which that was such a slap in the face to um, the the uh, Bonaventure version of King Kong that was literally at this time. Oh, funny. Yeah. So they did that. Like, everything that was happening in films at this time, they kind of addressed. I would have been surprised if we didn't have, like, Brian Blessed come in as Hawkman <laughs> from <laughs> Flash Gordon and be like, Spider-Man's alive? Like, I would have been fun. But no, they didn't have to do that. We we ended up going with the, the director, uh, Mr. Blockbuster, is literally an accomplice to attempted murder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, there's some really funny, funny bit to uh, at the end. If we're, if we're skipping to the end where we um, go all over on this. So. Yes. Yeah, so um, there's a part where, where, you know, they get Mysterio and then Sam Blockbuster is being led away in cuffs. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man says something like, uh, you know, you're you're off you're- the jail for endangering lives. And he's like, you're right. So like Sam Block was <laughs> like, yeah, me. I guess I should go to jail. And then he's like, I've always wanted to make a prison picture, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. Also, it's really dirty and dark because this was also the time of Midnight uh, Midnight Express too. So. Oh, okay, nice. All right. <laughs> yeah, just, that this is a lot of levels here. 
Yeah, because that's what I was watching again. I was like, 82. So this is like Raging Bull, Midnight Express. So now I just have the image of this cartoon movie director getting like knifed in prison and thrown off the balcony of a of a prison tower. Right, yes. Like, and I'm like, oh, wow. He, he wanted to make his prison movie. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Um yeah, it would be funny to see like uh, to see like the John Carpenter version of the story or something where it's just uh, dark and twisted and everybody's yeah. getting murdered. I was like, well, at this time on Scooby Doo, they were having like celebrity guest stars. So, like, why didn't they have like Francis Ford Coppola gets kidnapped and sure. replaced? <laughs> yeah, get get a get a famous director that the kids love. Yeah. You know, all the kids they're talking about that that director of you know such films like. Beverly Hills Cop. Where's Martin Brest? <laughs> yeah, he would love to do a cameo. Um, Gary and Penny Marshall. <laughs> also, they really fall back on the joke a lot here of, you know, something dangerous happening on the movie set and Spider-Man going, this wasn't in the script. He says that like five times. It's like, how how many times does something have to go wrong for you to realize that uh, they're literally trying to kill you? Every time he just seems surprised. This isn't in the script. <laughs> wait wait line uh i don't know this isn't in the script this isn't in the script it, yeah it, it almost feels like you know a a pitch meeting joke from of the course, youtube channel yeah. pitch meeting like the, this isn't in the script is it not being in the script is tight like, <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> barely an inconvenience <laughs> that that's just so crazy in these cartoons like i feel like they're in the recording booth and they're like stan what do we do we don't have the dialogue well we can just go back to the this isn't in the script and they're like mr lee that's genius yeah that's excelsior yes sure <laughs> what if we add an excelsior oh that's that's another thing that surprised me that uh disney plus cut out stan used to be at the beginning of these introducing it like zach morris style really like, oh yeah why would they cut that out that's so cool yeah they used to do it all the time that's really they did funny. it with with Everything from the Fantastic Four, it would like be him being like, hello, true believers. You won't believe, but my good friend Spider-Man and Iceman, they're going to get into a little pickle when they go that to rules. Hollywood and maybe, yeah. This is the worst thing Disney Plus has done since they cropped The Simpsons. Oh, boy. Yeah. I can't believe they cut out the Stanley intros. It, it, it's it, They're going to be like, there never was a Stanley intro, and you know, we're suing Bagel Basket because we didn't give you permission to do uh, <laughs> Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Right. But here we are. It, so, like, they never flat out say why Mysterio is, is mad at Spider-Man. It's like, oh, he's always thwarted my thing. It's like... Yeah, that, that just seemed to be, like, supervillain motivation in a lot of these things. It's like, just, you are... You're you're just to assume that like Spider-Man has been thwarting these guys for years. And the only reason they do crime is to like get back at him. So yeah, that does seem to be like just kind of a lazy villain motivation that they give everybody. They just hate the hero. I, that's why. So I've been waiting so long for Mysterio to be in a Spider-Man movie or anything like even in the Spider-Man ride, they kind of have Mysterio because Mysterio has always been my favorite Spider-Man villain. Like I mean, did you, what, did you, like my what did you think of uh, what did you think of uh, that second one? The second uh, oh god, far from the home. Kid's name, yeah, far from home. 
Yeah, when I when I heard it was Gyllenhaal, like I I literally turned into like one of the girls screaming in the Ed Sullivan Theater for the Beatles. I was like, oh, oh my funny. god, because <laughs> because I knew it was like tongue in cheek because we all know Jake Gyllenhaal almost played Spider Man when the contract negotiations with Tom. Uh, oh, I almost said Tommy funny. Wiseau <laughs> with Tobey <laughs> Maguire fell right. through. Um. And and the fact that they casted Jake Gyllenhaal as my favorite Spider-Man villain, I was losing my damn mind because the movie before, my favorite Batman was playing Birdman. That's really funny. <laughs> and I, I just, I think what they've done with, with Spider-Man now is the Spider-Man I know and love, where... The Sam Raimi Spider-Man, which is still good, just it reminds me more of these 80s cartoons. It reminds me more of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Like, yeah. those feel more tongue-in-cheek. And the new, you know, Tom Holland Spider-Man, Spider-People, <laughs> uh, art is more, you know, what I've been looking for. Yeah, I like I like him a lot too. I mean, I I love Spider Man and love his many iterations. But um, yeah, I love the the Tom Holland ones. I think have, have been great. I maybe didn't like uh, Far From Home quite as much as I liked Homecoming. I think Homecoming is great. Um, Homecoming but, uh, is probably a perfect Spider Man movie in in pecking order. It goes into the Spider Verse, Homecoming, Spider Man Two for me. That's I think that's a great ranking. I think I think yeah, I can definitely get behind that ranking for sure. And yeah, and I think uh, obviously I think uh, uh, this has been said before, but Spider Verse is like easily the easily the best Spider Man movie. I think that and just any of the Spider, I the fact that they ended it with a callback to Spider Man, Spider Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, they have the little insane. Easter egg. I know. Yeah, totally. and the fact that it's Jorma is is what he's he's the spider-man at the end that's yeah i know yeah so many so many like fun easter eggs that like felt earned and you know it doesn't feel even though you know it's one of these like multiple universe hopping type stories it it doesn't feel super gimmicky it feels like it's part of the story all the like little references feel earned and fun so uh yeah i mean it's a it's it's a blast it's a cold take at this point i know but uh what a movie so what one of my friends who's been on the podcast uh uh he'll kill me if i don't mention this uh dave schweitzer who is a friend of the podcast has He's a diehard Spider-Man fan. How do you feel about Amazing Spider-Man Two? Oh, the uh, the second Andrew Garfield one. I you yeah. know I think those you know those movies are a little bit forgettable. I think they are regarded as terrible, and I don't think they are. I think they're just a little by the numbers. You know, the Jamie Foxx performance is so over the top. He is such a goofball, and he does seem like maybe he that performance he's giving would fit better in the Raimi ones or they kind of seem or a like cartoon like this. Yeah. Or a cartoon, or I was going to say like, he, it seems to be kind of like the Riddler and Batman forever. It seems to be this like yeah. ticky weird character. So yeah, I think he doesn't quite understand what movie he's in or everyone has agreed to be in a different movie rather. Um, but yeah, I only bring that up I only bring that up because of 
the reason why he becomes a villain yeah. is like something out of this. It's because Spider-Man forgot his birthday. Of course, yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And it feels like something from this episode. That's what I was feeling with Mysterio. It was like, oh man, Spider-Man always thwarts me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin a movie and have him killed and. Mr. Blockbuster, you're an accomplice now because you could have said something and you didn't. Of course, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I know. It's always it's always tough with the comic book movies how like cartoony they're gonna be. Sometimes it can be a lot of fun, like in the Raimi movies. You know, I think they utilize that really in a in a fun way. Um, but yeah, sometimes it it just seems like it, they're not taking it seriously. So it's a it's a tightrope act to make these things. Yeah, in this episode. I love how they literally it gets so it gets dark at at a time because uh Iceman is literally being like murdered and it gets pretty it gets pretty graphic. He's on the ground covered in heat heat lights and uh Firestar is like freezing to death and Spider-Man's like uh catering catering Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's some there's some real danger, there's some real peril here and uh yeah, you know, there's they they raise the stakes. Um did you get the vibe? There was a music cue that reminded me so much of SNL and I think Robert Smigel for uh the ambiguously gay duo stole the music from this for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. funny. I was watching one of those old Smigel cartoons uh, earlier this week because someone reminded me of it. And boy, those TV fun houses do a amazing job of parodying stuff from this era. It's so well observed. The music is great. The animation is great. I Those old TV fun house cartoons, obviously ambiguously gay duo, um, maybe a joke that's kind of in poor taste. Um, yeah, now it doesn't hold up, but the the music cue for their theme song, rem- literally as I was watching this episode, I'm like, I think Smigel ripped them off because the music is exactly the same. Even funny. the ba da 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 da, like it, it was exactly the same. I say as I knock over the computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I those those old SNL shorts are so fun to watch, especially watching it close to something like this and realizing like how much cool stuff they get right. That's why I hope that with like the new into the spider verse, they, they still go back to this. Well, I would love someone if they got like Sean Ashmore who played Iceman in the actual um, movies to be the voice of Iceman in like spider verse and they bring in firestar and they're like we're Iceman and firestar and they're like we don't need you okay bye and like they just <laughs> like if they got Mulaney as spider hand and be like uh we don't need you and they're like okay bye and they just right. walk out as long That'd as they fun. acknowledge that this happened i'd be so happy i know and now that you know with like a service like disney plus or with like hbo max that has all the dc stuff like the you can kind of pull in those references because it's all pretty available and, you know, maybe yeah, the audience is more familiar with that older stuff because it is so streamable. Yeah. Um, so as, as we like wrap up this um, episode, is there any takeaways that like you wanted to talk about? 
Like, uh oh yeah you know there's i there's a great line at the end um that i thought was really fun and it's when um they meet the uh the actual non-robot versions of their hollywood crushes and um what's the woman's name again honey dove, honey dove. says to Iceman, uh you're the best thing since frozen yogurt um and that's i'm sure like at the time frozen yogurt was such a new like she she hollywood thing um and i'm sure that 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 was like a very cutting edge reference to prove that she was so hollywood because she ate frozen Frozen yogurt yogurt. (laughs) um and yeah you know good pun with him being Iceman. i i i loved it it definitely like like was such a funny way to end the episode although i guess they literally end with them all on top of the hollywood sign which is also yeah i would love for them to be on top of the hollywood sign and like you just see like Ryan Gosling and and Emma Stone dancing, and they're like, "What are you doing here?" Uh, we had this reserved. From... <laughs> right, we're yes. supposed to be floating in front of this. Right. So, how many bagels do you give this? Uh, so the score is one to thirteen, right? Yes, a perfect dozen is. It's great. I'm gonna go Everything ahead and give else. this thirteen bagels. I love this. Yeah, I loved every play. You know, and obviously it's uh you know, it's it was such a fun nostalgia trip for me. And uh yeah, a lot of laughs, some intentional, some not, but um yeah, I had a blast watching it and I think if you uh if you're a Spidey fan and a comics fan, it's just a, a great little like uh nostalgia tour. I'm gonna give it ten, um, taking off three because some of the jokes don't age well. The the I I'm taking literally two off for that sweaty dollar bill that he hands the bus driver. <laughs> Cause like it broke my brain. I, I literally felt like cheaty from the good place. I'm like, this broke me, this broke mm-hmm. me, this right here. Um, but that's about it. So why don't we talk about your latest project? Let's talk about bubble. Yeah. Speaking of comics, I co-wrote a graphic novel. Uh, it is called Bubble. It is a sci-fi comedy uh, for grown-ups. Uh, I co-wrote it with a great comedy writer named Sarah Morgan and a uh, awesome comics uh, creator Tony Cliff did the art and uh, had a lot of story input as well. Uh, Natalie Reese, who does the Dungeon Critters series, did all the colors for us. They are beautiful. And uh, yeah, it is, uh, it's coming out uh, uh, July 13th, but uh, we're trying to get people to pre-order it. So it's a... I've already pre-ordered mine. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, kind of a, it's a very satire sci-fi comedy about a world where people live in these bubbled cities and inside are these like perfect little worlds, but outside there's all these monsters who are trying to get in and it's uh the characters all have to participate in this kind of life or death version of the gig economy to uh to stay afloat and um yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's definitely um uh uh, not for kids a lot of sex jokes a lot of gore um robots monsters anything you could want um yeah it's available for pre-order honestly i feel like oh i'm sorry i was gonna say graphic novels now just feel like they're not for kids anymore. I I think everything that's coming out from Saga to Paper Girls is like so good. And and this, I'm so excited to read it. And oh, thanks. That's nice of you to say. It, it yeah. looks so good. It looks no, so it, good. Thanks. It it it. Uh, I've you know obviously seen done done proofreads of it and seen like uh, digital drafts and yeah, very proud of it. It's such a like 
cool team of people. If you know uh, Tony's work from the uh, Delilah Dirk series, you know that the uh, art is beautiful and that the fighting is awesome. Um, yeah, it was just a, a it's just a fun project. I'm a lifelong comics reader, and so like the, to get to help make one was just a total dream. Yeah, I I just. I can't imagine how exciting it is to see a character you created, you have a vision of them in your head, and then to see how they've created them. What's that like? Uh, Really fun. I mean, I think Tony just like had a great sense of the story and the world. He was really like, you know, we had a really simpatico vision for it. And um, yeah, just a, just a real thrill. It's fun to like see the things that turn out like you think they're going to, but also to be surprised by like things that you never expected, you know? Um, definitely uh, when we got the colors back from Natalie, she put this kind of like psychedelic, very like pastel color palette onto it that I did not see in my head for one second, but I'm so glad she did it. It's just a, such a fun choice and like really makes it pop and really makes it... Um, you know, uh, I think it just fits so well with the like theme of, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of like it's, you know, it, 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 the, the characters are hipsters. They live in kind of a stereotypical hipster bubble. And the fact that everything is so like, um, you know, bright and candy colored, I think just like supports the theme so well. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was such a, such a blast to make. I, that's awesome. And, you know, thank you for coming on here. Um, honestly, you are welcome on anytime you want. Oh, thank um, you so much. This was so fun. Yeah. And if if you haven't listened to Jordan Jesse go, what the hell are you doing listening to this? Like, <laughs> yeah. stop what you're doing now because we're at the end of the episode <laughs> and, and go listen now. Thank um, you. Anything else you want to plug? Oh, you know, I'll just uh, I'll just say real quick uh, uh, some stuff about where people can pre-order Bubble. You can do that on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, call your local indie bookstore. That's a great way to get it. And also, if you want a signed copy from me, at least uh, you can do that through um, the indie bookstore Book Soup in LA. So if you go to Book Soup's website, they have a uh, signed section, and if you want to pre-order it there, I will sign it for you, and they'll ship it to you. And that's even international shipping, too. So uh, even if you're not in America, uh, that's a good way to get it, booksoup.com. Surprisingly, we actually have a big fan base in the UK and Canada. So, Oh, uh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, I think it'll definitely... I, I... It'll be available there too as well, but um, still, uh, you can get that uh, signed copy at Book Soup, and they'll ship it to you. I'll put I'll put that link in the liner notes for oh, this thanks. episode. Oh, thanks. That's great. Yeah. Um. So, Jordan, thank you so much for doing this. Like, uh, I I can't thank you enough, and I'm so glad I got to rewatch Spider Man. <laughs> Tons of this fun, version. Right? Uh. So yeah. Until next time, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, no one goes to the Facebook page. No one likes the Facebook page. Please go like the Facebook page. I don't want to have to pay for bots. Uh, you can also check out my other podcast, Hell is a Musical, on the Zero Science Network. And we're on Twitter and Instagram for that. And we have a, well, I have another podcast coming out uh, in the near future. And I will keep you posted on that. Until next time. I'm Scott Curlin. Jordan, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye.